Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. All right, welcome one and all to Let Me Introduce You. It's a Film and Friends podcast where best friends introduce one another to their favorites, not so favorites, kind of anything, and see what the others think about them. Uh, we are starting a new theme this week, and before we get to that, I'm one of your hosts, Graham, and I'm here with... Katie! Yay! Yes, usually we have a third, we have Ashley, but unfortunately Ashley is not able to make it today, um, but she will be back uh, next week uh, for a very, very special episode that we'll get to at the end. We'll preview that. Yep. Um, but Katie, before we get into the new theme, I have to make two huge apologies to <laughs> our audience. Um, you know, sometimes we record and we don't catch all the problems that I say, um, <laughs> or I didn't catch it this time, and I just want to apologize to one, to the theater community. <laughs> in our Xanadu podcast from a few weeks ago, I made an egregious error. How dare you? What'd I you did. do? I said that um, Wicked won Best Musical. And oh. our guest is shocked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, famously, it did not win Best Musical. Uh, the Av- Avenue Q, Katie, did. So I know that I hurt... A lot of people with that comment, um, meaning Rude. just the one friend who texted me. But I just <laughs> want to put that out there. Made a mistake. And then, Katie, in the episode about Little Shop, I referred to Miriam Margulies as Margot Martindale. Which, again. So, wait. Yes. <laughs> you give me a hard time for Jim Henson. Excuse me, you said his name was John Henson. It was a slip of the tongue. This is, I didn't. I didn't say the wrong I'm just saying that I'm also human and I make mistakes. And I apologize to Miriam Margulies because she's amazing and I feel like she'd be upset with me. Um, That's okay. Wait. It's understandable because, wait, wasn't Margot Martindale in Walk Hard? She was. So, you know, I get it. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. They're all part of of the Let Me Introduce You family. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, you know, it's Um, okay. So, you know, just mistakes happen, people, and it's adult to own up to them. So, Graham, I forgive you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll see if our guest forgives me when we introduce him in yes. just a bit. Uh, so, we're starting a new theme this week, uh, kind of our fourth theme of this, this season two. And we are talking about box office disasters. Disasters. We're calling it. It's a disaster. It's a and, disaster. Uh, you know, I love box office disasters. It's always my favorite thing to, to track the stories of, of things that swing and just miss. And in terms of this, this week we're talking about uh, a very special independent film that our guest will introduce us to. And I'm about to introduce you, Katie, and our viewers to this person. Our listeners. Uh, so, y'all, we are, have a special treat today. We have Ryan Davis of San Francisco with us. Hello. Uh, Ryan, hi. hi, Ryan. Thank you How for having you? me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Yay. Thank you so, so much uh, for joining us, yes. Ryan. Love it. Uh, Ryan, you were, uh, Ryan, you were born, no, I'm about to read your bio. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that you were born in New Orleans? <laughs> I'm a shot. Uh, Ryan uh, currently lives in San Francisco, but was uh, born and raised in New Orleans, and uh, he's done theater all of his life, and went to the Yale School of Drama to study dramaturgy and dramatic criticism. My mom still and, shakes her head at that one. She's like, what is it that you studied, honey? <laughs> <laughs> 
I had to Wikipedia it. <laughs> it's nice to have an actual like theater person because we've been like our last theme was musical, so it's nice to and all three of us have done like no theater at all, maybe very very little of it. So it's nice to actually lend some credence to what we're talking about. So exactly. thank you. Yes. I've yes. been listening to the musicals episode ardently and enthusiastically. Okay. And I, I, so I'm here for it. And I'm bringing you another sort of theatrical treat today. Yes, yes, yes. And um, yeah, Brian, do you want to tell us a little bit like what you're doing now? Yeah. So I work uh, here in San Francisco at the public media station at the, the NPR and PBS station, KQED, um, overseeing a program of live events. So everything that we put on stage with our radio and TV broadcast talent. That's so cool. Um, Ryan, did, uh, did Graham ever tell you that he and I have done radio before? We did radio in college? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, Graham God, had w- a few radio shows. I did WTBU, the beat of yes. Boston University. Oh, my God. What was your show about? <laughs> so, okay, we when we were freshmen, we got the worst time slots. So, basically, yes. you Two interned. In the morning. So, mine was at 4 to 6 a.m., Sunday nights to Monday mornings. <laughs> mine was Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. How did you snag that spot, Katie? I kept it. For some reason, all through se- like freshman year to senior year, and I complained about it. And my show, I played very loud punk rock music at six a.m. At six a.m. Of course. Well, I, okay. that's what I submitted my show was going to be about. And then yeah. I got a review that they're like, "Hey, your music's too loud for that early in the morning." I was like, "Well, don't give me yeah. an early morning slot then." Exactly. Wait, so y'all weren't on air partners at the time? No, no. no. Th- that would have been amazing. Yeah, we. I think we like maybe did a crossover or two, but I think one or two. But you didn't want to wake up at four a.m. on a Sunday night to come <laughs> hang out with me and listen to ska music. <laughs> I would have. I went through a huge ska phase <laughs> for some reason, but it was like specifically like the specials and madness, like nineteen eighties ska. Yeah. So, box office disasters. We're we're kind of starting off with a kind of a smallish box office disaster um but i think it's really interesting conversation about independent filmmaking and and um and we're going to be talking today about the film the house of yes the house of yes of yet yes and this was a film that came out in october 10th of 1997 and it was initially released in only four theaters it made about sixty thousand that opening weekend and it finished up with $626,000. So, Katie, I think this is our lowest grossing film that we've done. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Pippi may have given it a run for its <laughs> money. But, but this was budgeted at $1.5 million, But also, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, maybe like uh, at Sundance, it was purchased for $2 million. Yeah, by Miramax. By Miramax. So really, it, it didn't make any money. Yeah, it really um, lost... Lost its shirt. Lost its shirt. Um, other things that opened that weekend, if we're all curious, were oh, yeah. Seven Years in Tibet. Okay. With Brad Pitt. Um, the Disney film Rocket Man. Okay. <laughs> um, Most Wanted with uh, Damon Wayans. Oh. Gang Related with um, Tupac Shakur. And then Boogie Nights and The Sweet Hereafter. So, Ooh, lots Boogie of variety Nights is that one to really go up against, huh? Exactly. Exactly. But this one actually beat Boogie Nights that week. The House Did it of the really? Wow. Yes, it made In more four theaters? That's wild. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Ryan, you picked this film. So, let's talk about one like before we go into the film itself, like what is your 
kind of genres of choice? Like, what is your, if you were to describe your taste? Yeah. I mean, thinking about it and thinking about the movies, I, you know, I know what my favorite movie is and I know what my most watched movie is and trying to like measure the distance between those two things to come up with a measure of taste. I would probably call uh, films about women on the edge. Um, as a <laughs> as a card carrying gay man, I feel like that is a genre that um, very is very, very good. near and dear to many a gay man's heart. And you know, my my favorite film is Sophie's Choice because it's just so um, oh. exquisitely acted, and it's the thing that made me like love a tear jerking drama. It made me oh. want to go to grad school for theater. And my uh, probably most watched movie is The First Wives Club. Like I can uh, yes. recite <laughs> that fully movie. Yes. that on this, on this podcast. <laughs> I can recite it from beginning to end. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, yep. I think all of us can. Yep. So, so, so I think that's kind of like the triangulation. Women on the edge um, is my taste. And this movie wow. fits nicely in that little oh, oh, triangle. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes it does. She is on the edge. There are several wow. women on the edge. Sophie's choice. I've no. This is this is abomination. I've never seen it. I've never seen I, it either. I know. Oh my I know. god. I know. Maybe we should have done that one. Well, yeah, we'll Another do. We'll do, we'll do. like. We'll do. We'll do a woman on the verge um, theme. Yeah. Yeah. Season. I yeah. love that theme. <laughs> okay. I can't wait to come back and give you my exegesis oh my on Sophie's <laughs> yes. choice. Yes. <laughs> I've seen that movie. You know, it's not the most seen movie in my repertoire, but I have seen it too many times for the nature of movie that it is and I get a lot of grief from people about how many times I've seen it. Hey, we here we support anyone's choices and about yes. whatever 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 you love. Um at first Wise Club I think I've seen uh, probably like 90 times. Yeah, handily. Yeah. I mean, I'm gay. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, they they give me flack because I my comfort movies are horror movies, so you know, well, I, I love watch horror movie. I, me too. And I I Oh yeah. Man after okay, my what, own heart. What, what, let's talk about that for a second. Like, what kind of horror films do you like? Like, like psychological or gory or mix and uh, match? Not so much gory. I mean, I definitely love a uh, slasher because there's something a little bit more real. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get down with paranormal stuff. I don't get scared yeah. by ghosts or goblins or monsters. But uh, you know, a human killer coming after you totally it could gives happen me the in chills. real life. Yes, and like, there's something that is very melodramatic about it that it's just like this guy hunting you down pursuit and you're against the clock and you're on the run like that really i find thrilling and a lot of fun Oh, nice. Yay. Oh, sweet. Well, again, more, we got to watch more horror films. Jamie Katie. Lee Curtis. I will watch anything with Jamie Lee Queen. Curtis. Queen. She's fantastic. Yes. Yes. So where does... Okay, so you kind of touched upon it a little bit where House of Yes fits into that. So kind of talk to me about... Or us, rather. About, you know, why, why did you want to talk about this film? Well, I... I have like a very personal relationship with this movie. I don't know. I maybe discovered it when I was a, when I was a teenager. And um, I, I like rented it from the, the video rental because I got it in my head that Parker Posey is, uh, you know, someone who, who, who epitomizes uh, indie taste. And I was like bound and set to like develop my, my cinematic repertoire. And then I discovered this strange little movie and totally fell in love with it. Um, and then in college, I directed a production of the stage play by Wendy McLeod, um, wow. and, uh, you know, found all of the sort of like quirks about it to be super interesting. And then, you mm-hmm. know, it's just sort of like been in the 
back of my, you know, my repertoire of movies that like I feel sort of comfortable checking in with again every now mm-hmm. and then and watching. And so, um, and then when you said our theme is going to be box office disasters, I like racked my brain for like what what titles that I I know like in my bones that really did not do well in the box <laughs> office. And this one like came to the fore for sure among, <laughs> among those. Yeah. So, so that's why I put it forward to you. Yes. Yes. And I'm so, we're, I think we're super, super excited to talk about this film. Yes. Um, Wait, so y'all have y'all done anything with Parker Posey yet? Yes. We, Ooh. we had her in mixed nuts. Oh my God. She's in mixed nuts. With, yes. Yes. She's on the rollerblades. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. With John Stewart. Yep. And is, has she been in anything else? I don't think so. So, I mean, so she's barely in Mixed Nuts. So yeah. this is like her first, like, This is like role. her at the forefront, yeah. And we are going to be talking about other roles of hers later on. We must. Um, so um, before we get into, like, the nitty gritty of it, Ryan, would you mind kind of giving us a brief synopsis of, oh, of, of the yeah, film? Yeah, sure. So yes. um, it is... Thanksgiving and Marty, played by Josh Hamilton, comes home from New York City to the upper crest suburbs of Washington, D.C., uh, in the midst of a hurricane. And anxiously awaiting him are his twin sister, Jackie O, played by Parker Posey, who is obsessed with him and fixated on the Kennedys, Jackie Kennedy in particular. She sort of styles herself after her. Um, and she has recently returned from a psychiatric institution where she's been put away after shooting Marty when he tried to leave her for New York. Um, also, like you do. Like you do. <laughs> sure. And their younger brother, uh, Anthony, who's played by Freddie Prince Jr., um, who dropped out of college to come home and take care of Jackie in Marty's absence. Uh, and they're by turns imperious and indulgent or enabling mother, Mrs. Pascal, who's played by Genevieve Bujold. Um, And so Jackie wants Marty home for good, but his arrival reveals that he now has a new fiance whom he's brought home to meet the family played by Tori Spelling in what I can like (laughs) particularly doe eyed and daffy performance. Um, And this sets Jackie further over the edge. And so then Mrs. Pascal admonishes Marty that bringing home this girl will really, you know, put Jackie beyond Jackie toys with Leslie. Anthony kind of creepily gloms on to Leslie. Jackie Mm -hmm. tries humiliating her and takes every opportunity to outshine her as a sort of rival for Marty's attentions. And then the hurricane knocks out the power, leaving everybody without Thanksgiving dinner. So tired of competing with Jackie O, Leslie goes up to bed. Jackie and Marty reveal that they have had an incestuous relationship to their brother, Anthony, who then goes upstairs and attempts to seduce Leslie, while Jackie seduces Marty downstairs with this sort of psychosexual ritual reenacting the Kennedy assassination. And... Then Anthony reveals the incest to Leslie, who comes downstairs, catches them in the act, um, and then goes upstairs and gives in to to Anthony's seduction. Um, Meanwhile, Mrs. Pascal has been snooping and seeing everything that goes on. Uh, She threatens 
Leslie, that she'll reveal her tryst with Anthony. Leslie confronts Marty and Jackie and tries to get Marty to leave with her to come back to New York City by talking him through their sort of normal life together. And Jackie returns with the gun that they used in that sort of sibling ritual mm-hmm. um, to demand that Marty go through it again with her one last time before he goes. Ultimately, like, actually shooting him and bringing the movie to a close. <laughs> it's pretty wild, and all of this takes place in one night. Yeah. Yes. Wild yes. Is, is one way to put this Yes. Movie. Those were all the things. Did you, did you know what you were in for when I pitched this? No. No, no, I think... I had no idea. I had heard about The House of Yes for years because, like, I think, uh, similar to Ryan, I I was like, Parker Posey, she's it, she's everything, and I I loved independent cinema. I still do, but, like, 90s independent cinema. I remember her getting a lot of awards talk for this movie. She got a Sundance uh, acting award for it, and uh, I should say, on the other end of the spectrum, Tori Spelling got a Razzie for her performance in this movie. She did. I don't she feel did. like that's super warranted. She was fine. I think she was well, I pretty mean, solid for I what mean, the character the Razzies, is. The Razzies just like will latch on to to sure. people to like her. I think she was up against like um, the uh, the snake from Anaconda that year. So. <laughs> <laughs> that snake was but great. Yeah, it was the you know underrated, underrated. And and before the pod, we we did touch upon this as our third. Tory Spelling film. All hail Tory Spelling. I mean, All hail Tory Spelling. You didn't know that you were a Tory Spelling I guess fan cast. We, but. I mean, and, and Tori, we can't wait to have you on the pod. Yes, um, please, Tory Spelling. She should. Wait, so I want to tell you a little something about the movie, though. Aaron Spelling's production company funded the production of the movie as a vehicle for her, which I didn't know until I actually like sat down to get ready for for talking to you guys. Yeah. Um, but that makes it so much more... Weirder? Yeah, ironic that, like, she gets this vehicle funded by Dad, it gets bought by Miramax, and then she gets a Razzie for it. Makes it yeah. so much more tragic. Yeah. And the fact that the content of the film... You know, just like, oh, I want to make this and have my daughter be in it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incest. I'll, I'll tell you what. We eventually will do Mother May I Sleep With Danger, and maybe we can get Tori Spelling on that episode. Right, Katie? We can try. We can try. She's not busy. We can try. <laughs> So, so Ryan, you mentioned that this you, this is this is an adapted from a play. It is, yeah. Um, and you you put this play on, right? I did. I directed it uh, in my director's lab in college, and it is pretty. It, the the film is pretty tightly faithful to the play. Like I was looking at the pl- the play script uh, just last night to see like if there were any strong deviations, and there's basically none, um, which you might take as both you know a virtue or a vice for for the film. It's you know it's kind of claustrophobic as far as a movie goes. It all takes place like in a in the fashion of a good uh, well made play. It is classically tight you know it's 24 hours of plot in one place with a small cast of characters and so um in that respect like it adds to the sense of entrapment for the movie but it's also you know not the most um cinematic of experiences and a lot of what the interest in the movie hinges on is just the like really sort of dazzling and witty wordplay and the sort of biting quality of the dialogue which mm-hmm. is probably the thing that like I like most about it just the archness of the characters and the way that they 
particularly Jackie and Mrs. Pascal play cat and mouse with Leslie is just a lot of fun to behold. Yeah, totally. And I think that and like the casting of this as well is, is crazy because one young Jackie is played by Rachel Lee cook. Yeah. I noticed that too. And I was like, yeah, we get a, she's all that. I did. Min of sort of reunion. Can I, was I just tell you that I didn't that. make that connection to like hours later. I was like, wait a minute. They were <laughs> she, and this is all before she's all that. Totally. <laughs> two years before she became all that. She, uh, <laughs> she yes. is playing a young Jackie O in the home movies that, um, that kind of book in the film, uh, and maybe three or four years before she goes toe-to-toe with Parker Posey again in um, Josie and the Pussycats, which I also yeah. really love. Yeah, and, and Freddie Prince Jr. is just like a little baby in this. I know, and he's sort of got this weird childlike kid brother quality. I mean, he looks like a full-grown man, but he yes. he sort of plays up the, um, gee whiz, I feel so left out, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I'm left out of of my of the twin cest in this film. Yes. So, Katie, um, you you didn't know much about this film. No, I knew nothing. You watched it. So, like, kind of like, what are your what are your like immediate like thoughts about it? So, uh, everything I'm about to say, Ryan, please take no offense to it. No, don't worry. As, Go for it. As I as I I put this on, and in the first five minutes, I text I texted Graham, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> Like it, it, it's before any of the incest stuff, any uh, like any of that had come out, and I'm watching it, and it's it's mainly just like watching the reenactment videos, and then watching Parker Posey, and I'm just like, what, what, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, my face just kind of stayed that way throughout the rest <laughs> of the movie, um, yeah. because it, it's it's funny, it's like it didn't, I wouldn't say that like I definitely was not bored, I definitely was not like you know not entertained. But yeah, I'm just, I, I was just blown away by, I, I think like the level of taboo or the level of just sheer insanity is what kept me watching it. Um, and what kept me like, you know, actually engaged with them. Like, this is such a nightmare and I can't stop watching it. <laughs> um, Agreed. But yeah. I, uh, I did... I, and you know I like I love I love a lot of the cast you know big big fans of, of a lot of the people that are in this and I know we'll get to that in a sec. Um, I do have to say it did feel very much like a play to me. Like I'm watching this and I'm like this this feels more like a play than a movie. Um, and the the dialogue it's it's this certain style and I don't know if it was really popular like in the '90s or or if it was like like you know a David Mamet thing or if it was like a Joss Whedon <laughs> thing but that that level of like punchy repetitive too clever for its own good dialogue uh just really was getting getting on my nerves um there were a few you know of course there's a few like funny lines that you do wind up laughing at but yeah it was just it was just that like the repetitive circle line of of dialogue and 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 the punchiness of it and I'm just I was just like okay yeah, right. <laughs> super super mannered. It's super put on as a as a sort of rhetorical style that they're engaging in, um, and it's definitely inherited from a style of of play. That, I mean, you know, I think you're the kind of li- uh, lineage that you point to is kind of right for it, which is a, a sort of battle of wits, but one of them isn't a wit. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was going to give you a little bit of backstory on the the theatrical history of it. It was yeah, first yeah, yeah. staged. Yes, um, it was first staged in San Francisco at the Magic Theater in 1990, um, and then transferred to Off Broadway by 1995. And Allison Janney actually played Mrs. Pascal in really? the stage production. So you really? can imagine like a hot, very different kind of kind of uh, interpretation of that character. Yeah. With, um, and you're t- yeah, like there, it's very much a um, a living room drama like Edward Albee mm-hmm. or yep. where mm-hmm. you know there's not a lot in the physical appurtenances to distract you and and the um you know it's not conceived where you can control the audience's eye so much as you have to kind of move them along verbally uh, mm. and mm. um yeah so the, the the language is super super mannered and it like takes a particular kind of mood to get into it so I totally hear you, Katie, about that. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it just it was just the, that style of dialogue, just not my cup of tea. There's there's comic books that do it too. There's other sorts of media that that uses that style of dialogue. And and like I said, while there there were a few really funny jokes, I, I, Parker Posey says something like, "Pennsylvania is just like the state you have to drive through to get from one place to another." And I I've said that before because that's how I fully believe. Pennsylvania is. Sorry um, to all of our Pennsylvania. No, I'm not sorry. Your state is, is really big. <laughs> Katie, you're from New Jersey. That yes, whole... but it doesn't take eight hours to drive through New Jersey. <laughs> that whole uh, scene is like, ex- that, that's the key example. It is so ping pong. Uh, we're passing the the, the ball back and forth. Yes. Um, uh, all at Leslie's expense. Yeah. Bless Tori yes. Spelling's like dopey little heart. I know, it. very dopey little heart. The girl from the donut shop in in <laughs> Donut Union King. Square. Excuse donut me. King, excuse me. She's yes. a marginal, not a respect. <laughs> she's yes. a minor, not a major donut figure. Yes, yes. But I, I, it's so interesting that you mentioned that Allison Janney played the mother character in 1995. So how old was she at that point? Like, okay, I don't actually know. Like probably in her 30s and and you know that's and these characters are probably early 20s maybe yeah 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 so at least 23 she says at one point yeah i kind of kill to see that see like clips of that production if it exists anywhere um i was reading um the the new york times review and um ben brantley called her like a psychotic June Cleaver, which is a very <laughs> different way of very different yeah. performing that character. And there's something kind of really, I don't know. I mean, Genevieve Bujold in this movie is really fun to watch because she's so, I, I don't know if you guys know her from other productions. Uh, she was in Anne of a Thousand Days. She's right? in Anne of a Thousand yes. Days. She got an yeah. Oscar nomination for Anne of a Thousand Days. And she's this French Canadian actress um, which feels like a little out of place with the character and the story, like being this sort of waspy, um, decadent, uh, it, insane family, mm-hmm. which, you know, I absolutely can see Alice and Janney like plopping into and creating this sort of mania within. Um, and Genevieve Bujold is this whole other sort of like, oh, I don't know what you call it, like, She's 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 that French Canadian a- accent really gives mm-hmm. this sort of um, 
stuffiness not stuffiness i don't know like uh yeah she like i i always i thought her was her almost like of a, as a specter in this film because she kind of just like wafts in and out of scenes and she just is like so different from the rest of them that she's like more like observing the, the chaos around her um but yeah like like she's so different from the rest of them like these like just especially like freddie prince and, and josh hamilton <laughs> Yeah, Graham, because I, uh, yeah, I know this was your first time seeing it, too. I, I, I would love to know kind of what you thought about it, too. So as I mentioned, I was like, I had heard about this movie for so long, you know, like loving independent cinema, being an avid subscriber to Entertainment Weekly in the beginning of the 90s. And I was like, oh, Parker Posey's like, this is it. And um, the only clip I'd ever seen of the film is when they bring Leslie home for the first time. And she is introduced as the fiance and Parker Posey just screams and laughs at the same time <laughs> which is like a brilliant piece of acting and I kind of knew that there was some um, taboo incest storylines I did not know they were going to go that far I thought it was going to be like oh she's just obsessed with him and that's it not that they actually completed the the um, that connection if you will Consummated um, yes. and that and that we see her mount him and clearly yes. have him in- enter her. Enter you, Katie. Go <laughs> 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 back to trick. Also Tori spelling. <laughs> so um, I thought I thought the, like the first half was like super. Uh, I actually kind of I actually kind of like the dialogue, the the snippy dialogue, um, and just the way that, that they performed it, especially when they're revealing their relationship to to Anthony. Um, where they're just talking to him like he's such an idiot and they're like enjoying making him squirm a little bit. Oh my gosh, that scene is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun because I'm just like, they are clearly like, this is so insane, but they're making him feel so uncomfortable and so stupid. Um, Yeah, that's when I almost start, like, like because I, uh, uh, I, I kind of felt for Marty's character up until that scene. Right. Because he almost like turns. I yeah. know, like, I know. Minute. Wait, wait, he, he's he's crazy. Like, I don't know. It yeah, was just oh, they're, they're all back crap crazy. Yeah, and then I, I kind of liked how it, because your perceptions of all of them change, you know, because cause Anthony, you're like, oh, he's like this dope. Oh, he's like, he's a bit of a predator, and he's like, he's a liar, and he's just like using using her for sex. Um, one interesting thing I read, and I don't know if, if this is accurate, at the end, the, I, I heard that there were two versions of the end. There are, that's true. So the version I saw, um, after she shoots um, Marty dead, is um, just Tori Spelling leaves the house and screams, and they, they cut to a old clip of, of Richard Lee Cook as, as Jackie O, and, and she's smiling at the camera. But Ryan, there is a different ending, right? Yeah. Or is, there's a more more a tweak to it. There, it's it's only slightly different. I have I have this on DVD, I, you know, because okay. <laughs> so I love this movie. Um, and there's a there's a sort of monologue that Jackie gives at the end over Tori Spelling, you know, running wackily out of the the house. I like I like your hand flailing, just yeah, so yeah. people can't see it, but it's perfect. <laughs> we'll put it on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> hand flailings. Um yeah, it's just a um it's just a it's just a uh, a nice like button that gets added to the end. And I actually, you know, I hadn't seen um the version without the monologue, which just says like Leslie that girl Leslie never really loved Marty. He yeah. she hightailed it back to Pennsylvania the first chance mm-hmm. she got. Um in the 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 version that that you saw, which is on Amazon, um, which is now how I own it, I bought it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's much more effective to just sort of like it, the gunshot goes off. You hear screams and see Leslie running, and then it cuts to Jackie, like footage of Jackie O, and it's a little yeah. bit more ambiguous and yeah, and creepy. Kind of a full full circle to the beginning. I yeah. watched it. I watched it on Pluto, and that was the ending I saw too. Hmm. I wonder whether different. Do we know whether different? Uh, I mean, I know, I know that the Weinstein's would like to take a film and completely <laughs> re-edit it and alter it because they are who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just, I think we can safely assume that that's what, yeah. what happened. They they sort of exerted right. their their big man energy and <laughs> insisted on uh, some change. But yeah, they they would do this thing where they would buy a film from these film festivals, either keep it on the shelf forever and give it barely a release or they would like hack it to shreds to like make it more um, mainstream and thus make more money. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that they did to this film. And I think it kind of was, it's pretty unadulterated uh, from, from its original version. But um, you know, this, this was totally that this is like heyday independent cinema, 1997. This is Parker Posey at peak. It's like, after Party Girl, um, before, maybe after Dazed and Confused, after Party Girl, um, she isn't yet doing things like Josie and the Pussycats or Blade Trinity. It's like right in that that sweet mm-hmm. spot where like Parker Posey is at her sort of kookiest and most like l- most herself, like everything that you love Parker Posey for. She's one of my favorites of all time. Um, I think my first experience with her was Dazed and Confused, was the the classic Same. scene where she is just torturing all those rising those rising freshmen. I think that was on replay in our house. That scene specifically, like <laughs> all the time, because she's just amazing in it. Um, and I recently, I saw Party Girl for the first time. Oh, really? Um, Isn't it right so good? At, it's so good. It was at the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, a year ago. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, this is just something that I've always been curious about. And what a snapshot into mid-90s New York City independent cinema. Like, so fun. Katie, have you seen that? Part no. I definitely, definitely looked that up. I saw yeah. it was on the Rex when we, when we looked up uh, uh, House of Yes. So I was yeah. like, oh, look at this. But she also had, she was in Basquiat around this time. Mm-hmm. The Day Trippers, Clock Watchers. Oh, yeah. Clockwatchers with great. Lisa Kudrow and and uh, who else? Uh, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Oh yep. yeah. And then this is the same year that she was started her partnership with uh, Christopher Guest with Waiting for Guffman. Oh yeah, it was uh, the same year. Yeah, she had quite a year. And then like, and then you've got mail the next year. She started going like taking on these more mainstream roles. But yeah. Oh, you know, I like I read her 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 memoir, and I was hoping oh. that there'd be like some some background dish on the making of this film, and there's not really. really? Um, yeah, she talks a little bit about Party Girl, and she talks about Blade Trinity, which I think is super fascinating. She yes, she like she, she <laughs> that movie she, is bonkers. That movie is bonkers. She plays a, a, a vampirist villain, yes. um, who is the ex lover of Ryan Reynolds. Plot, plot, plot. Um, But she, uh, in her memoir, she, like, has this fascinating chapter where she, like, observes the the -the behind-the-scenes politics going on, the studio politics going on with them, um, you know, the studio trying to oust Wesley Snipes as the, the, the shoulder that carries the series and install Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel as these, like, 
really hot younger things and she's observant of the racial politics behind that and it's like who knew that blade trinity was such a an interesting um object for her and wow yeah um, you would think that it would just be like yep i got a paycheck and that's great um but yeah for her to like because the memoir, I've heard great things about it. Is it something that you recommend, right? Oh, totally. Entirely. It's written in a direct address style. Like, she's mm-hmm. talking to you and telling you a bunch of stories about her, her career. Um, and she's just, you know, as charming and as fascinating as, as you imagine. <laughs> Ugh, I want to hang out with her. I know. I had a friend too. who like I had a friend who profiled her for like a newspaper and got to like hang out with her for a couple afternoons. I'm like, you are a better like you become a better person in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> when when I was in um, drama school, they uh, we used to get emails from the Yale Repertory Theater um, for work study hours, doing these like odd jobs to help the professional actors who were coming in and doing productions on the stage. And she was doing a production of this play by Will Eno called the realistic Joneses. Um, and, uh, there was this one email that went out that was like, one of the actors needs their dog walked. And I was like, I know exactly, I know exactly (laughs) who that is. Gracie Posey needs to be walked. And I didn't, (laughs) I didn't reply in time. And I was Uh. so wanted to be the person that walked her dog. Oh my God. (laughs) I wanted she, to walk I, Parker Posey's dog and I yes. missed my opportunity and yes. it's not left me for the past 15 years. <laughs> Only because I can like, I, I was sure that there'd be some like kooky story that happened because I went to walk her dog. Oh my God. She Valid. could be your best friend now. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> what a coulda. <laughs> uh, there's still time. Yeah, there is. So is this your, is this of, of her performances, is, is this what you would consider your favorite of hers? I don't know. It's tough between this and, and, and Party Girl. Um, yeah. Or Josie and the Pussycats, you know? That's my <laughs> I, favorite. Is it? So I get a lot of grief. <laughs> I, I made, during the, during this, these strange times, um, I, I made, uh, you know, my two best friends in my bubble watch it with me and they absolutely hated it. What? Josie? They're wrong. Thank Josie's you. Josie's great. Right. No. Are they, of our age, or are they a little bit older? They're uh, a little bit older. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know that the like the boy band jokes and yeah, there's maybe a subtle generational difference in the yes. satire that maybe doesn't land. Um, okay. But it's only it's subtle. Kind of, They're just a few years older. It's a kind of thing though, where like when I saw that, I was like, this this is this is right on, and I can see why it's not doing well, but. This is going to be big in a couple years. <laughs> that scene in Josie and the Pussycats where she's like with all like the big, those like, you know, executives and she keeps like turning around and saying stuff under her breath. And with like, the, Excuse me, what? The feathers, the feathers <laughs> yes. like whipping around. Yeah, it's genius. She's got such perfect physical comedy chops and she does in this too. I'm, yeah. like, I'm conscious that like we're drifting away from the I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to talk about Parker Posey. I, but. I loved her in Best in Show, like oh, yeah. her character in Best yeah. in Show. Like, it, it, and like I saw a lot of that in, in the House of Yes performance because it's this super insanely tightly wound person um, and who just like like could snap at at less than the drop of a hat yeah and so i'm watching it and i'm like oh man it's so it's, it's got a lot of similarities to, yeah. to her character from best in show where it's enigmatic. You, yeah. you can't stop watching it but you're like oh god i can't stop watching it 
There's always there's always this tinge of menace in some, a lot of her yes. roles. Like she's like seconds away from like completely uh-huh. snapping. And whereas like Best in Show, it's it's totally like okay, we're we're playing up to here. Yes. Here I felt like it was such a different Parker than I'm used to. Where there it was, she was still that like crazy, and it was funny, but also she was playing it so much more straight than I expected her mm. to be doing. Um, the scene where she is in the bathroom and her hair is over her head, <laughs> and she's just, just like humming and shaking. shaking and humming, and then she like like flips her hair over, and it's somehow perfect mm-hmm. the way that her hair looks, uh, and just gently, I'm like, okay, that is that is acting. <laughs> <laughs> But I also was interested that, like, interesting that there's large swaths of the film where she's just, like, not there, too. I thought it was going to be much more of a showcase for her. Uh, I would be interested to hear, like, your your, your perspective of the other actors in the film. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe we should start with Josh Hamilton because he's sort of the protagonist of the film. I mean, it's him whose homecoming it is for this Thanksgiving dinner. He's the one who's brought... This, um, you know, very innocent seeming uh, new fiance that set, you know, upends the the plot um, and 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 throws Jackie over a cliff. And Josh Hamilton is very like he, he's he plays it very he plays it very straight. And he, you know, he's he seems to be. I think you described this at first. Like he seems super relatable. He's normal. He's like the definition of normalcy and comes into this atmosphere and very quickly like starts to regress um, and starts to like reveal himself to be just as, um, can we say fucked up? Like, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, as can. fucked up. We, as we have, we have family. an explicit rating. Yes. Okay. we have explicit. <laughs> <laughs> Just as fucked up as the rest of, of this yeah. family. Um, and like, you know, the plot sort of hangs on that. Like that's what the, the, the trajectory of the story is. It's like his, regression to old behaviors and so he becomes darker and darker um in a very interesting way i didn't like you know i've seen josh hamilton in a number of things but like this is the thing that i know him for most i couldn't actually pin down something to tell you like what else he's he's been in i remembered him from two things so Mm. one i i knew him he was in one episode of sex in the city where uh, he has like one? he has like phone sex with Miranda, and um, then he's like, "Oh, I didn't think we were like exclusive." But on, on oh, that, wait, phone sex with other people too. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, I thought like in that episode of Sex in the City, I always thought he was super cute. I was like, "Oh, he's cute." I like his like whatever's with his mouth and his teeth. I was like, yeah. very adorable. Uh, but in this, I was like, "Oh, he's not as cute as I remembered." So maybe he gets cuter as he gets older. Um, but yes. also I know he was in an episode of Louie. Um, oh, I've never seen Louie. Yeah. He was in an episode of Louie where he plays one of Louie's, uh, uh, like stoner neighbors. Um, but other than that, I'm like, I could not tell you anything. So he was in eighth grade as the dad. Oh, that's he right. He was wonderful mm. in that movie. And he's also like kind of, a, he's like hot. Um, he is, yeah. He's hot. I think like we're all like, agreed like, that, we're, okay, that. Josh, <laughs> Josh, you're hot. Um, Josh plays a certain kind of like uh, mediocre featured white dude who you're like, well, yeah, he's hot. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm yeah. telling you at a bar, I'd be like, what's up? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, eighth grade, he's great. He's great, great, great in that movie. Um, and yeah, Pretty Prince. I was oh very surprised. Pre, surprised. Um, 
pre or post? I actually don't know if it was just before or just after. I know what you did last summer, but... It was before. It was before? Yeah. Yeah, it came out the week before I know what you did last summer. Wow, what yep. a big year for Freddie yes! Jr. <laughs> and he didn't have spiky hair. It was, like, down. It was, it was yeah, it was yeah. bad. It was bad hair. It was bad hair. <laughs> oh, I kind of liked it. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, you know. Um, You're wrong. I mean, he's, he's doing something very, like, uh, very so super sinister in this movie with that, like, uh, let me just ask you questions uh, until until you have found yourself in bed with me. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, like break you down. Yeah. 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 But like, let, oh, can I see your knees? Can I hold your hand? Yes. Tell me about so the time creepy. you lost your virginity, like with this like little brother probing quality. It's so gross. Uh, I did one more thing about uh, uh, Josh Hamilton. I did want to ask about his character. So at the end, um, you know, he's he's gonna leave with with Tori Spelling and he's like just trying to get Parker Posey to calm down and uh, he sees that Parker Posey has the gun and he agrees to do the reenactment and like sit there and do the waving knowing full well he'll probably get shot. So I didn't understand like I'm sitting there and I'm like why? 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 Why did you? Mm. Why did you do this? Is what I, I didn't know what you guys thought, or if I was just being crazy. Like, like, did you think that he was like, I am, I am, allowing myself to to basically get shot and killed because I, don't, I, 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 I think so. Love my sister. Maybe I don't know. I. I it's probably hmm. kind of a dual thing, right? Because yeah. it, it allows Leslie to escape if that's a priority for him, right? Like if if. I mean, I think that's one of the really great moments in the movie where all that archness and all of that, like, uh, using the, the, the language and the way that they speak to sort of make Leslie feel lesser than. Um, Parker Posey, who's, like, got her gun up, and she just kind of pauses and says, Leslie, sorry about all this. Yeah, it's a really yeah, you're right. nice, yeah. weird break from it all. Um, so I do think that one of the reasons is, like, it, you know, he knows that, her her attentions are focused. Leslie's, I mean, um, Parker's attentions are focused on him, and it'll allow Leslie to to escape. Um, okay. that's that's one reason maybe, but yeah. I also think he's sort of like probably um, sacrifice, like sacrificing himself to this. I don't know this force of nature that binds them together. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I think it's like not a um, it's not a coincidence that like there's this hurricane going on. Uh, you know pathetic fallacy like there's this for the force of nature this attraction between these twins who are these other halves of themselves with each other that's maybe making it a little bit more like <laughs> no, serious no, no, this, this, is why, this is yeah this is why i asked but almost like almost like one more thought is like he's like let me let this happen so everyone will be free from this yeah. almost yeah. yeah a kind of another kind of like consummate it just like yeah. she's shot me before um <laughs> And when I tried to leave, and if I try to leave now, she's going to do it again. Um, let's just, let's end this. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 So Marty ended up being the good guy. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so, so. But this is why I like films that end like this. Like we're having this discussion of like, what is actually happening here? Like what, how can we interpret this versus like, yeah, okay. That happened. Yeah. I, I want to ask you guys, like, what do you make of the Kennedys of it all? Like why... Why do you think the Kennedys are like this object of fixation for Jackie or for the whole family? Kind of really like why are they the this sort of um, m- myth hovering over the play or the the play the the film? 
I think like the Kennedys have been seen as American royalty. They're seen as yeah. like a perfection, and they are clearly part of an upper crust society that would value holding holding them up to a certain standard. Um, and of course, Jackie O is considered like you know one of the most incredible. Well, probably the most incredible. One of the most. No, Michelle Obama is the most incredible first lady. But like iconic first. Very glamorous at, have, the, at the time. Thank you, yes. because she was one of the first that like people saw on television, mm-hmm. and they have they have all of those clips of her introducing the home, and young Jackie is like recreating it. So there was just an ideal there, and a closeness with with those that family. That family is pretty close too. So. Yeah. Kind of maybe playing off on that. I think that's right. Like I think the um the insularity, like the we have to we have to um look within for for our uh to 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 shore us up. I mean I think that you're right, like American royalty, this was you know, if the play was written in nineteen ninety or a little bit before, like we didn't yeah. yet have the Clintons, we didn't have the Bushes. So like if there is any sense of like American royalty, you're totally right. Like it's Camelot and it's mm-hmm. them. And if, like, the the incest plot is kind of, like, it's as old as time, in a way, right? Like, old tragedy, Oedipus, like, incest and royalty and inbreeding and a sense of, like, rarefying ourselves as a class. And we don't let our, we don't um, dilute ourselves with... The, mm-hmm. the the sort of working class symbol that someone like Leslie is yeah. comes in um, gives you like the the sort of sense of where like the insanity <laughs> finds its toehold in in this family and in this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more layers of this than I expected it coming before this. I was like, wow, you're totally right. Oh my god, this movie's really like crazy and deep. Ryan, what was it like staging this? Like when you were putting, was this like undergrad or in graduate school? It was undergrad. So I probably know, I I can only imagine like what it was like. I I don't have any sort of like photos or or film of it. Um, So I can't like go and look back. When I was looking through the script, I was like seeing my notes and I was like, wow, these are really dumb notes. I'm like, (laughs) I'm a a 19 year old. like 19. Um, and now with a lot more education and a lot more life experience, I probably would do a lot different, look at this with a lot different eyes. Um, but you know, it's still, it's like a super insular, it's, it's an insular mood, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're sort of stuck in, uh, you know, this fine setting and that's all, that's all you can do because the storm is going on and it's Thanksgiving and you're like stuck at home with the family. So to tie it into our theme of, of, box office disasters. I mean, a lot of the times a film does not do well is is marketing, it's it's, you know, the content of the film. So like why do we think this isn't something that people went out to see? Cuz clearly opening weekend people did cuz it it was only in four screens and made about 15,000 per screen, which is really great. I mean, that's 19.97. So, you know, what happened here? What do we think? I 100% think it's um I mean, how do you describe this movie? How do you exactly? How, how do you market it? How do you, how do you like? Yes, this is a this is a biting comedy about incest and uh, and elites. <laughs> like yes. Um, although now I think you know we've had a bit of pop culture that you know acclimates us a little bit more to that. You know, the Game of Thrones of it all. Or <laughs> but how do you, yeah? How do you put that forward as like mm, the driving force of your your yep. your box office draw? Mm, it's not gonna be that. 
I think sometimes there are movies that are just too weird for a mass <laughs> audience. Like I could see where this would be a cult thing or where this would be, you know, for more um, independent film, you yeah. know, supporters. But I think when you get things that are just so out of left field um, mm. or so taboo, uh, yeah. and, and, and I think it's just hard for, for uh, a commercial appeal. Yeah, it's definitely for like a select audience. It got me thinking yes. about other taboo films that that just haven't done well like like Cronenberg's Crash which came out a year before which is about like people who get off on crashing cars and you know it was it was you know an NC-17 rated movie it made like three million dollars um but yeah I think I think one like yeah how do you I don't remember how it was marketed I mean there's they don't really the the plot is not really gone into detail in in the trailer I know like what what do you say like this is a movie about Kennedy Kink like I, yeah. <laughs> Kennedy kink <laughs> title of episode <laughs> I love it I do want to make one quick note on the director Mark yes. Waters yeah. mm. we um, haven't even mentioned Mark no, Waters <laughs> no 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 so this was this was his first film as a director this was his mm-hmm. first film and uh, I, I was uh, I know that he would go on to do Freaky Friday and Mean Girls and yeah. you know Bad Santa 2 and <laughs> so again, I think this is our second week in a row talking about the brilliance of Jamie Lee Curtis and Freaky Friday. She should have been nominated for an Oscar. Um, <laughs> but here's here's what his. Do you know what his next uh, pro- project is? No. Upcoming. Get ready for this. It's kind of related to two of the actors in this movie. It's a House of Yes remake. No. He is. He directed. He's all that. Shut the up. Remake the reimagining of She's All That. Wait, oh, that's something no, that's coming out. Know. Did you know this was happening? No. Yeah, it's happening. It is happening. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook is in it as the mom. Is but she she's her own? Not. She's not the mom. She's not the original character. All grown up. Oh no. Yes, but it's it's flipped. So now it's about a guy. Is it a gay plot or is it like a girl betting that she can bring a nerdy boy out of his shell? I think it's a nerdy boy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels, I mean, you know, there's lots of movies that you can't get made today. And it feels like She's All That is one of them. Hmm. But I'm like excited. I'm trepidatiously excited. I mean, I'm gonna watch it, but do you want do you want to feel old for a little bit? Mm -hmm. Um, The star is uh, just somebody who's famous from TikTok. Of this new, he's all yeah, that. New, yeah, Addison Ray. I have no idea who that is. Never heard of her. Yeah. I never. But we're gonna about billions of kids probably. <laughs> sure, I get it. But now Rachel Lee Cook is the mom, which naturally. I um, I just was watching some of the new Punky Brewster, which is on Peacock. There's a new Punky Brewster. Yes, and the dad. So Punky Brewster's in it. She's a mom now, and her ex-husband is none other than Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> oh, that I want to watch. Oh yeah, he looks. Especially he's, he's like a silver fox now. He looks good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he looks I, good. Yeah, he and Sarah Michelle Gellar have been going strong, and they both look great. And um, bless them, they are the 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 idol, the the teen star romance of my like. I yes. I was watching teen movies right when they hit, and loved them to uh. this day. I miss that time, y'all. I know. I always, I always like movies from around that time too. But I'm like, you know what, old millennial, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was looking at. So this was bought at Sundance, and I was looking at other, other notable 
Sundance bombs. That oh, I'm so excited to hear. So I want to see if any of you guys remember any of these. One of the biggest ones was um, Birth of a Nation, which came out a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Is that the like, remake yeah. of, was, was it like it's a remake? It's not a remake. It's not a remake. Um, but Ryan, do you know much about it? Yeah, it's about the uh, the Nat Turner Rebellion, right? Yes, and yes. So my, my dear friend, Asia Naomi King, uh, is in it and plays his oh, really? wife. Yeah. Oh, you might know her yeah. from 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 um, How to Get Away with Murder. That's yes. Um, yeah, she's a classmate of mine and a dear friend, and, and yeah. total. She's really good in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that was clouded by some like um, stuff that came up about the director like pre-release, but that oh, yeah. that was a notable flop. Um, also, Late Night was a big one. Was a big bomb with, with oh, Emma. Oh, I saw that. It was yeah, good. And Mindy Kaling. Yeah, not oh, yeah. great. No, it wasn't um, very good. Those are some recent ones, but the, the the one that was like the first like huge bomb was a film called Happy Texas with Steve Zahn. Oh yeah, Miramax oh, bought Zahn. it for ten million dollars and it made two million. Um, and there was also like uh, Son of Rambo, Hamlet Two was a big bomb. Um, In the Soup with which is with an Alexander Rockwell film, God, which I was like even know that. Yeah, so that these. came out. That was Alexander Rockwell was part of that, like Alison Anders and Quentin Tarantino and and um, Ro- Robert Rodriguez or Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, mm. Desperado and all of that. So he was also he came out with in the soup, which is like a Steve Buscemi film in 1992. <sighs> was bought by millions of dollars, made two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like it was just like so. It's it's when we think about box office like disasters, we always think like the big ones, like you know your cats, your Cutthroat Islands, your don't Water ruin world. what's coming up for our next Look, episode. We're not doing Cutthroat Island. We've already talked about cats. Um, <laughs> but we also think that like there are small films that just like barely get make a blip on the radar because there's just like either there's not the marketing or it's like soup by nature of it being an independent film, it's taboo or they talk about subjects that like aren't hugely um, uh, of interest to kind of like those mainstream audiences. Yeah, I don't even think about this one. Um, and the amount of money that Miramax bought it for, they still like, they lost on it. Yeah, very seriously, like a million and a half when they, when the when it alone made what six hundred? Would you $600, say six hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, insanity, insanity. Um, well, Ryan, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Oh, Anything goodness. you want to plug? Oh, I don't. I don't have anything to plug. I don't. Have <laughs> That's my, my fabulous life. Um, well, you guys should check out Ryan's website. Uh, we can link that. Oh, in, don't in do that. It's okay, so follow Ryan of... on the Instagram. <laughs> yes. Follow me on Instagram or Twitter yeah, at where avid. Can people find you at avid yarns. Yes, it's an anagram yes. of my name. Yes. <laughs> do you know what an anagram is, Katie? As a knitter, I support this, and yes, I know what an anagram <laughs> is. You looked. You looked. Uh, dumbfounded for a second that's just how i always look <laughs> oh okay um yeah but right do you have any kind of like any final thoughts you want to say about the film listeners if you haven't seen this it will really it's it is it is like a, a an underappreciated gem it's a strange little um indie darling of a movie um it's totally worth the very quick hour and 20 minutes i think it runs oh yeah um and it's you know it's it's full of wit and weirdness definitely Graham would you watch it again I think I want to revisit it now that we've like added on some texture here um I think that I maybe not immediately but but I will I think it's something that I I, I will revisit soon Katie probably not yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's available on a lot of the streamers. I know it's. I watched it off Paramount Plus, but it's also on Pluto TV, Katie. You yeah, it's on, it's it. on Pluto with commercials, uh, or you can rent it on Amazon. You can rent it on iTunes. Awesome. Yeah. And um, Ryan, this was a delight. I'm so glad that I'm you could join you, us. Yeah, yes, I this was is fun to talk so about. So thrilled to come and join y'all. I yes. have been a fan of the show for a while. Oh. Thank you. Oh God, we're a fan of yours. Yes. Um, and you can come back anytime. Seriously. We will. We'll, Sophie's Choice, season three. Let's do <laughs> <Yes>. it. Yes. <laughs> or First Wives Club. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I think we we'll have, have a better time talking about that. We would have to do a celebratory. At some point, there's going to have to be some episodes where we're just like, these are movies we goddamn love and need to yeah. talk about. Because Absolutely. even if one of us has not seen them. I'm sure we could introduce each other to revelations about the yes. movies. Yes. So. Um, well, follow us on Let Me Intro You on Instagram. Um, don't follow us on Twitter because Ashley is not doing our Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but she uh, will on, be. On Instagram, it's Let Me Intro You Pod, isn't it? Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I am the one who runs it. Yeah. Let Me <laughs> Intro You Pod. Um, and yeah, please. Ashley doesn't update the Twitter, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Twitter's whatever. Um, but next week, let's do a quick preview. Um yeah. Because Ashley will be ra- raring back to come next week. <laughs> Rare. <laughs> we are going to be um, talking about uh, t- 2019's uh, brilliant, uh, I will say, um, Cats, the musical. Can't believe you're making and us watch this. Of course I'm going to make you watch it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Skipple Shanks, the railroad cut. Let's go. Um. Robbie Fairchild in that does some beautiful dancing. Bless his yes. heart. And Taylor Swift uncaps a bottle of poppers and the kittens go wild oh for my it. God. I mean, I'm, uh, all right. Yes, poppers as catnip. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be cuckoo bananas. It'll be um, fun. That'd be great. So, uh, yeah, join us for that next week. And again, Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, My pleasure entirely. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. 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 Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You. 